Good morning. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 62. And uh, good to be with you. This morning, um, I, I, something uh, has happened to me that has never happened to me before. And, uh, you know, as a preacher, as a preacher, you uh, think a lot about preaching and uh, this moment here that we're having today. And uh, one of your worst nightmares as a preacher is uh, walking up onto the stage with uh, nothing to say and, uh, and having nothing to, to do. And uh, that is not the case today. I have a lot to say. But a lot of the details of what I want to say are in notes uh, that are not in my Bible. Um, is somebody playing a practical joke on me? Did somebody take the notes out of my Bible? Uh, I don't guess so. <laughs> I am kind of being serious. Well, today, today, um, you can flip to Psalm 62, and uh, this is just going to make this whole practice a lot easier. Um, today, I want to talk about how uh, we need silence. We need silence. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, was getting ready to preach a, a sermon um, about lessons I'm learning uh, during a pandemic. Lessons I'm learning uh, during a pandemic. And uh, on the Sunday I was going to preach this sermon, I uh, woke up and the first thought whenever I woke up, I mean like, boom, was, um, we need silence. And I was like, well, this is, this is interesting. Is this you, Lord? <laughs> you know, like, why would I just randomly, just on a Sunday morning, as soon as I woke up, the first thought that popped into my head, first thing, open my eyes, we need silence. And I said, okay, Lord, well, um, this is what you want. You want me to talk about this today? And so I spent that morning uh, in the bathroom, leaning over the sink, uh, on my phone, typing out notes and was getting scripture and um, illustration, and I was like, okay, maybe you want to talk about this today. Maybe this would be one of the points of things I'm learning during a pandemic, and I kind of had that ready to go, and then uh, never got to it. And I was like, well, that's, that's weird. God, why would you give that to me so clearly on a Sunday morning? And it went nowhere. And, um, and the phone say, well, it's not for today. It's for another day. And today's that day. Um, Psalm 62. Psalm 62 says this. Verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. My soul waits in silence. Um, verse 5 says, for God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. So he says the same thing twice in this one psalm. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. And one time he says, for, my, for from Him comes my salvation. And verse 5 says, for my hope is from Him. 
We need silence. Let's pray for a second. Father, I pray that uh, you would give me the words to say today and um, that you would speak to us from your word. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Silence is difficult. Um, We even have something called um, awkward silence, don't we? And uh, today, actually, what was in my notes was I had uh, planned on us taking a moment of silence just to feel the weight of silence because we don't we have we have a a world that has no silence. And I was going to take ten seconds for silence, uh, but this morning I'm going to take as long as it takes for me to go to my office and grab my notes. Okay? I'm not kidding. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment of silence. It's perfect. Maybe this is what God wanted. We're going to take a moment of silence. And I know there's kids in here, and that's, you're, you're welcome here. Don't feel bad about that at all. But as silent as we can be for a couple of moments, let's just sit in silence and maybe think about the Lord. Maybe pray for your preacher. All right? Ready? Uh, Silence can be awkward. And uh, some of you are like, "Um, what church did you bring me to? What is going on here? Um, Thank you, Lord. We hate our our silence so much in our culture that our uh, days are just filled with so much noise. We always... Uh, always are distracting ourselves with more noise and more noise and more noise. And, uh, and, um, but I was just thinking about, <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, this, this, this whole thing of us always inundating ourselves with music and video and streaming and all this. It's kind of a new thing. You know that the first radio broadcast didn't happen until 1920? The first uh, commercial radio broadcast didn't happen until 1920. And then it wasn't until after that that you could actually bring a radio with you mobily. And uh, the iPod was... Uh, so, so in the last 100 years, it's only been 100 years that we've been able to actually bring like noise with us everywhere. And then the iPod was invented in 2001, where now you could bring a lot of music, your own custom music, wherever you want to go. And, uh, and then in 2006, Spotify was created. So now you could stream unlimited music all the time with you everywhere you go. And we take advantage of this by filling our lives with noise. And, um, and, and the, uh, but that's recent. That's recent. In the last hundred years, have we shoved noise into every moment of every day because before, for the majority, the vast majority of human history, if you were out working in the field, you just had the sounds of nature and you had the sounds that you were making as you worked. If you were uh, uh, working in the home, all you had, while, while dad was out working in the field, all you had working in the home was the sounds of you working in the home and the sounds of nature. It, the um, Live music 
was the only way people experienced music. They, they never listened to recorded music. If they wanted to listen to music, they had to go listen to it live, which was rare. Probably the only place they go and hear live music was at church. And yet it's kind of opposite now. We rarely go and listen to live music, but we are always listening to recorded music. And so I was just thinking about how our culture is so filled with so much noise and we are so distracted but right now, it's, it's weird if we don't have constant noise. Um, and, and you notice it when there's silence. I mean, you all felt it just a moment ago when we were all just sitting in silence, like, what is happening? If you walk into a store, you walk into a restaurant, you might um, not notice the house music. You might not even notice it. But if you walk into a store or you walk into a restaurant and there is no house music, you notice it. Don't you? Because you're like, you walk in there and you're like, something's wrong about this place. The ambiance is just not right. And, uh, and it's because silence is weird. Silence is awkward. Um, I think God would say that we need silence. We need more silence in our life. We need more quiet. Um, or here, here's kind of two uh, spiritual disciplines that go together is silence and solitude. Getting away, getting alone, and getting quiet. And so the first thing today is that silence and solitude are spiritual disciplines. Um, what is a spiritual discipline? Uh, I would say it this way, that a spiritual discipline is an intentional practice to form new habits to become more like Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to be intentional about practicing some things so that I can form new habits and begin to live a life like Jesus lived. Spiritual disciplines are not just about practicing the disciplines, but it's about making room to know and love God. It's making room for God in your life. Um, one author, John Mark Comer, he's a pastor and author, and he, puts it, he calls spiritual disciplines uh, practicing the way of Jesus. Practicing the way of Jesus. Because that's what it is. And in his context, he's just trying to be really clear. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're talking about practicing the ways of Jesus. We're trying to do things that Jesus did so we can become like Christ. And, um, and so, silence and solitude are a spiritual discipline that Jesus practiced. Actually, Jesus modeled this for us. You can go to the next slide, and it puts up a few times that Jesus, it says that Jesus often would withdraw to lonely places and pray. Often, part of his uh, routine, part of his rhythm of life was to get away to lonely places, to desolate places, to deserted places. He would get alone. He would get quiet. He would do this after performing miracles. He would do this in times of grief after his friend and cousin John the Baptist was killed. He got away to a desolate place. Before choosing the twelve, he's getting ready to make a big ministry decision or a big life decision. He gets away and practices silence and solitude and gets with the Lord. In his distress in Gethsemane as he's getting ready to go to the cross and, and do one of the most difficult things he's ever going to do. Before he did that, he got away in silence and solitude. In a lonely place, in a desolate place, in a quiet place, he got away with, with the Lord. Jesus, he even inv uh, invited his disciples to share with this solitude with him in, in kind of group 
solitude. And, and Mark 6, 31-32 says, And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. See, even Jesus sees like, hey, the silence and solitude, it's something that is good for your soul. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. And so we, can, we just saw just a moment ago that this um, life filled with noise is kind of a modern invention. Yet, even here, when they didn't have Spotify and YouTube and Netflix and radio and streaming and electricity and anything else that you fill your life with, here, Jesus is even saying, even in that life that we would say probably is a simpler life, Jesus is saying, you need to get away. You need to get some silence and solitude and be with me. Shut out all of the noise and come away. I love that word. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. I love that. So not only is Jesus doing it, but he's then inviting his followers to do it. And if we are followers of Jesus, he's inviting us to do it. And so you might say, well, discipline doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Right? And, it, and I wouldn't say that maybe the word discipline uh, doesn't sound really fun. But here's the best way I uh, have found and I've heard to describe spiritual disciplines. Because um, at first you start something. And it's difficult. It's difficult to sit in silence and get away and quiet the noise. But here's kind of the progression. If you go to the next slide, um, here's the progression of a spiritual discipline. It's a discipline, which means you have to force yourself to do it. You have to, you have to discipline yourself to do it. You have to be intentional and put it on the calendar and I'm going to do this even if I don't want to. But then the more you do it, then you move to a state of desire. Now I desire to practice this. I kind of crave it. I kind of want to do it now. Life kind of feels not quite right if I don't have it. I, I have to first, I have to, I have to discipline myself to read the Bible every day. Every day I'm reading it. But then after a while, I begin to want, I desire it. I crave to do it. And then that ultimately moves to delight. Now it's just not a discipline or a desire, but I delight in it. I enjoy it. I I want to do this. This brings me joy and delight. And uh, you can see this in any real discipline. It's a progression like this. Uh, like whenever I was learning to play guitar, if you learn to play guitar, at first it's a discipline. I have to force myself to do it. Uh, you, you have the pain of the learning on your fingers and the frustration of not getting it right and it's sounding poor. And you have to discipline yourself to do it and practice and practice hard. But then eventually it's like, you know what? I, I want to play today. I kind of desire to go and learn something new. I desire to pick it up again. But then ultimately today I can play and it's a delight. It's a joy. I enjoy it. Like the singing today, Darren, they were playing. I, I joined the stage like last minute today. And it was a delight. It was a joy because what used to take discipline and learning now moved to desire. I want to and then I enjoy it and delight. And this can all be Long seasons of life. You might be in a season, years, where you're having to force yourself to do some of these disciplines of a disciple. 
And then you might be in a season where you start to desire those things, but hopefully the longer you do it, you'll discover you get to this place where you just enjoy practicing the ways of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did. So on this list is seven disciplines of a disciple. These are kind of seven big um, overarching disciplines of a disciple. We could look at all these out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, but prayer, uh, the Word, reading God's Word, worship, as we did today, um, fellowship, community, ministry, serving, discipleship, being disciplined, and evangelism, sharing your faith. These are kind of some overarching, uh, big disciplines. These are some things that should be habits and practices in every follower of Jesus. So go to the next slide. Silence and solitude is, is one of them. It's kind of a subset of some other disciplines. You kind of practice these things when you're practicing prayer or word, where you're getting away. Maybe you've heard it called a quiet time. Like there's something to that. As, as, as uh, quaint as it sounds, it's a quiet time. It's silence and solitude. It's getting away to be with Jesus. And... Um, So silence and solitude is a spiritual discipline. And then secondly, silence and solitude allow us to refocus on what matters most. We get away from distraction. And we already said there's so much noise today, and I think you could testify. Testify. Preacher, that's right. In 2015, here's some stats on, on notifications that you get on your phone. In 2015, the average person received approximately 64 uh, phone notifications a day. 64 a day, like bing, bing, bing. Got an email, got a text, got a call. I got a Facebook uh, like. You got a Facebook message. You got an Instagram like. I mean, bing, 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 bing. 64 on average a day. Check yours. You can do it on your phone. Not right now, after church. You'll be surprised. A lot of notifications. Um, back in the 70s, uh, it was reported that the average person saw between 500 and 1,600 ads a day in the 70s. 500 or 1,600 ads a day. In 2017, I mean 20, 2007, the average person saw up to 5,000 ads per day. In 2020, all right, so it went from 500 to 5,000. 2020, the average person is now estimated to encounter between 6,000 and 10,000 ads every single day. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, it's hitting you. 6,000. Buy me. Look at me. Want me. Desire me. That's what ads are doing for you. Um, for a while, a long time, I, I took off my Apple Watch. I had uh, Someone bought me an Apple Watch, and I wore it for a long time, but then I just got frustrated that it, it just buzzes. Like it, it rings your wrist now. And now there's like a notification that hits your wrist, and bzz, bzz, bzz. And it was getting frustrating, so I took it off for a long time. I just, you're like, I see you wearing it right now. I just put it back on because I'm tracking, you know, some activity and stuff, but sometimes it just gets annoying, all these notifications, all these ads. Um, last week, uh, I was supposed to pick up dinner, and um, so I get I'll pack up my stuff from the office, and I get in my car, and uh, when I get home, I realize I didn't pick up dinner. 
and uh, is because I had turned a podcast on and I was, my mind was somewhere else. And you ever get in the car and you just go on default and you go where you normally go every day and you get there and you're like, How, did I even drive here? How did I get here? And uh, that happened. And so I pulled into the driveway and immediately was like, oh no, I don't have dinner. Turned around and then went and got dinner. And um, distraction, maybe you're like, that's right. We're so filled with distractions. Like you're on YouTube and then you're like, I didn't realize I was so interested in how Fragois was made. And it's like, oh my goodness. And you get on these YouTube trails and wasted so much time. You get it. But um, silence and solitude allow us to refocus on what really matters. Jesus tells a parable about how the word of the of the word of God is sown into the hearts of people and he's telling this parable and he says that to not allow the worries of life to choke out the word Mark 4:19 Don't let the cares of the world choke out the word It seems like what is happening where we're being choked by the worries and the cares and the noise of the world. And silence and solitude, what that does is it allows your soul to breathe. It allows your soul to go, <gasps> Take There's, I, maybe I've told you a story before of how whenever I was a kid, I, um, I didn't know how, before I knew how to swim, I was at a pool with my best friend, and he was a really good swimmer. And we were in the deep end on a floaty, and I fell off the floaty and started drowning because I can't swim. And so I'm just like, like just trying to get to the top. And, and, and all I wanted at that moment was, uh, that's all you want when you're drowning. Fortunately, my, my friend was a good swimmer. He went and grabbed me and rescued me. Silence and solitude are like a, a breather for your soul. It allows you to refocus, recenter yourself on what truly matters. And so instead of being choked out by all the worries of the world, what if we, like Mary of Bethany, Jesus goes and visits his friend Mary and Martha, and this is in Luke chapter 10. Mary and Martha, um, he's visiting them. And Mary, well, first it says that Martha is distracted by much serving. And so even in that day, there's something to distract you. And she is distracted. And really the point is in verse 39 where it says, Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. So she did what was really the one thing that mattered was getting with Jesus and spending time with Him at His feet. It allows us to refocus on what truly matters. And then thirdly, I guess we're on point three now, silence and solitude makes room for us to hear God's voice. Makes room for us to hear God's voice. We keep noise going all day long to keep our anxieties quiet for a moment. But we're also drowning out the voice of God. Whenever I was in youth group, um, we did this illustration, uh, like a physical illustration, a game, if you will, where we'd take one student and put them on one side of an obstacle course. Have you seen this before? And you take another student on the other side of the obstacle course, 
and uh, we blindfold the one student, and we say the other student on the other side is your guide. He's gonna, they're going to guide you through the obstacle course so you don't fall and you don't hit anything. Listen to their voice. And then what we do, because we're cruel, we take all the other students and put them around everywhere and are like, your job is to make a bunch of noise. And so go! Blindfolded students trying to get through. Everybody in the room's making noise. There's one student on the other side saying, take a left, take a right, go left, go right, step over, trying to guide the student, and inevitably the student is stumbling over everything and hitting all types of stuff. And really the point of that whole illustration is that God's voice is the voice that we need to be listening to to guide, and there's all types of other voices in our lives, and if we don't take time for silence and solitude, we never hone in on the voice of God. And um, we've got to silence these voices. We see this in, in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to spend a moment there, so if you want to flip with me to 1 Kings 19. Elijah is one of the big prophets in the Old Testament. Prophet was a guy who was who was chosen by God to speak on his behalf to his people. People didn't really have direct access to God like we have today. And so if God wanted to say something to people, he would pick a prophet to speak through. They had a unique relationship with God. And so Elijah is one of the big prophets of the Old Testament. And um, he had just done amazing ministry. You've got to read the chapter before because the chapter before, he goes against these false prophets and he challenges them and he whoops them, or I should say God whoops them in this challenge. And then um, he gets rid of all the prophets. That's a nice way to put it. Go read it for yourselves. But um, So he's just had a major victory, but then what he does is on the uh, end of that ministry victory, he seeps into a depression. And um, he begins to have a hard time. And so God's like, all right, we're going to get together. And he gets in a cave, and, and the Lord comes to meet with him. And so this is Elijah in a cave, and this is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. verse. Let's start in 11. So this is the Lord speaking. He said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in cloth and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord begins to speak to him. So what we see here is that the Lord is not in the wind, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, but He's in the whisper. He's in the whisper. He's in the quiet place. 
Many times we get excited by the big event, like I'm going to the conference, I'm going to meet with God, you know, I'm going to the Jesus concert, and we get so excited about the big event, but it's like God's in the quiet place. Nothing wrong with big events, God's in the quiet place. Or, or we're like, God, speak to me, show me a big miraculous sign so I'll know it's you. You gotta remember, God's not in the wind, He's not in the earthquake, He's not in the fire, He's in the whisper. And if you want to hear from God, we shouldn't be seeking a special sign. We should be hitting quiet in silence and solitude. I saw a meme recently, maybe you've seen this, where, but you know, in everything that we're experiencing in 2020, and it's this meme of God from heaven yelling down to earth saying, Cut it out! As interesting as that is, it's, it's not how the Lord does it. What we see throughout Scripture is that the Lord whispers. He speaks in the quiet place. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus is uh, telling a parable and relating uh, His relationship to us as a sheep with their shepherd. And He says the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Here's what He says in chapter John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear My voice and I know them, and they follow me. The sheep, we, if we're truly His, should know His voice and follow Him. And as we've seen, He speaks in the quiet place. He whispers. Do you know the voice of God? You might say, how does God speak? Does God still speak to us like He spoke to them in the Bible? And uh, this whole topic of God speaking is something we need to do probably a whole sermon on or a series of sermons because there's so much to be said about how God reveals Himself and speaks to us. There's different ways that God uses things, circumstances and nature and all types of things to, to communicate with us, but I would say primarily He speaks through His Spirit by His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture, these are the Scriptures, says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. All right, so all Scripture is profitable. It's breathed out by the Spirit of God. It's God's Word to us. And it is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. If you want to hear from God, this is the breath of God on paper. So He speaks primarily through His Word. And, uh, and then He speaks by His Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 25 of the same chapter says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so, um, although we have the words of God, and this should be the primary source from hearing from God, 
There's also the Spirit of God in us that we walk in the Spirit and we seek to live in the Spirit and do what the Spirit wants us to do. And that happens through little conscience and and promptings and things of that nature. You know whenever uh, someone says, God uh, told me, God told me, if a preacher, if I've told you, God told me, I'm kind of sparse with using that phrase because that's a strong language. Do you know that in the Bible, in the Bible, um, if you said God told me and you were wrong, you got you were killed. They, they like didn't take this lightly. If you said, thus says the Lord, God said, and, uh, and it wasn't what God said, it was like not good for you. Um, and so I've tried to be really careful with how I talk about what I feel the Lord is speaking to me. Um, whenever I say that, I don't, I'm, what I'm not saying is that God audibly like, opened up the heavens and said, hey, Justice, I need you. Like, I don't think um, that happens very often. You might say, well, we see it in the Bible. One, a lot of the times that the Bible is talking about God speaking, it's not always very clear on whether it was an audible voice or whether it was like an inner voice of the Lord. And uh, secondly, you got to understand that the Bible uh, covers uh, a span of thousands of years. And so if you see several events of God speaking, it happened over the course of human history. So you got to say, He spoke audibly. He does do that. But it happens very rarely. And uh, I'm not a person to put any restraint on what God can do. And so I believe that today God could still speak audibly to people. I just think He doesn't do it very often. Whenever I say the Lord spoke, it means I'm about, I don't want to give it a percentage, I'm pretty sure this is God. It's like I'm almost sure, I'm pretty sure this is God. And anyone who says they're 100% sure, I'm starting to wonder, you know, are you really sure? When I say I feel like, like I, I open the service with saying I feel like the Lord gave me this phrase. Well, it's because it was so beyond my normal, natural self. And then, for me, it's always confirmed with Scripture. That whenever God get like, I believe He's given me something, He's always paired it with some truth of Scripture to back it up. Because God's never going to contradict His Word. He's never going to tell you something that He hasn't, <laughs> you know. Well, you know what, I think, we got this new, anytime someone says, I got a new revelation from the Lord. You're going to say, ah, we, you know, like back up because lightning might be the next thing to reveal to you. <laughs> and uh, so I say primarily, there's many ways that God speaks to us. Primarily it's through His Word. If you are the type of person that's like, I got a dream from God. That can happen. We, it happens. That can happen. I got a dream from God. I got a vision. But you're never like going to the actual solid rock words of God, if, if you're never here and you're always, well, God told me, I'm starting to wonder. Because we have the voice of God right here in front of us. Clear. Revealed. And so, whenever we want to hear the voice of God, we've got to get in Scripture. That's why silence and solitude are paired, really, with other disciplines like the Word and prayer, 
We're going to Scripture. But it's also getting in tune with the Spirit of God in you so whenever He is talking, you are listening. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Silence is deafening for some. Um, some of you, you always have to have noise. You know, you got the TV in the background if you're ironing, or you must have the TV on to, to fall asleep. Like, you always have to have noise because you're trying to drown out something that you don't want to deal with. Maybe God is trying to get you quiet so He can speak into that anxiety. He can speak into that fear. He can speak into that issue that you're trying to distract yourself from with constant noise. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's this experiential, this word is talking about an experiential understanding that I know, that I know that He is God. And that happens in the stillness. It happens in the quiet. We need silence. No alarms, no news, no notifications, no Facebook, no music, no videos, no TV. Just the voice of God. And for some of you, if God seems silent, could it be because I am not? If God seems silent in my life, could it be because I am not silent to hear the whisper? All right. Makes room for us to hear the voice of God. For us to hear God's voice. All right. Here's the application today. How do I start? How do I start this silence and solitude? It seems foreign to my daily routine, so how do I start this? First thing is um, create space, which is time, all right? We're creating time, space in our schedule, and um, I got a confession to make. There's a room in my house um, that is our guest room, and, but around my house, it's called the uh, junk room, all right? Do you have one of these rooms? Probably not. It's just me, and we have this room. We have good intentions for this room. This room has some intentional items in it, like a um, bed for the guests who stay with us. And it has a, a nice desk that I recently got for uh, Father's Day. And so it's got a desk and a printer and a bed and a bookshelf that are very intentional, but it also has a lot of junk. <laughs> and we just call it the junk room because if you don't know where it goes, it just goes in the junk room. And it's just a lot of clutter, to be honest with you. And every so often, Cammy and I, we clean out the junk room. Make room for more junk. <laughs> but the honesty is this, that um, we must create space in our, in our schedule. We must create space and time for God. And, and many of us, all of us, I would say, feel like we're busy. Busy, 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 busy. I'm always busy. How are you doing? I'm busy. And it's because we have, we filled our life with so much stuff but I would argue that although our life is filled with some very important intentional things like a bed and a desk and a printer and a bookshelf, 
I would argue that it's filled with a lot of junk, a lot of distraction, a lot of wasted time. And so maybe we need to go into our schedules and create some space and move some things out and be intentional, make it a priority, create space for silence and solitude. This can happen in a few ways. Here's some tips. Um, just moments of silence. Just create moments of silence whenever you are at a red light. Maybe instead of checking a text or listening to music, maybe turn off the radio and at a red light, you just take that moment to be silent and to be aware of the presence of God. Maybe when you're in a waiting room, instead of being on your phone the whole time, maybe just sit there in the quiet of the waiting room and be aware of the presence of God. Okay, so, so maybe it's just taking moments. Whenever there's a commercial um, on the TV, maybe mute the TV and just spend that 90 seconds in silence, aware of the presence. So, so it takes moments, like redeem moments in your life to be aware of the presence of God and to connect with Him. Um, daily silence is the other thing. So moments and then daily. Make this a part of your daily routine or a quiet time. And uh, a practical way to do this is to stack this discipline on top of another discipline. And so maybe whenever, if you have a daily prayer time and that's something you've been good at doing, and you have a daily time of prayer or a daily time of reading the Bible, maybe before you do that, spend five minutes in silence. And, and if you have to put a timer on uh, to where it goes off and lets you know that five minutes over, put a timer on and just be silent. Be quiet. Be aware of, of the Lord. Um, and then the last thing in creating space is, is silence retreats. Like, like maybe get away for an afternoon or, or a weekend where your goal is to get alone with God, to get quiet and with the Lord. And uh, so this reminds me of this weekend. Um, I went to, uh, on an on a adventure on a river uh, with uh, Ron and Nestor and Anthony and uh, Ron's brother. And um, we went on this adventure. We're going to stay at night on this river. It was really a creek, and it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of difficulties, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, ended up being a, a nearly 20-mile kayaking trip, and um, and so quite an adventure. But the nice thing about it was being on a river. You're hearing nature and the water and the paddling. And that night in my tent on this beach, just looking up to space, seeing the stars, just having those moments where there's nothing distracting, just praying, God, please let me fall asleep. But really, having those moments of quiet. It's interesting that even on that trip, I'm going to, somebody on the trip, um, towards the end, mid-trip, mid put on some music. And so then we had this music, and it's so interesting. I was like, I'm talking about the silence of this trip, and somebody put on music, which is not a bad thing, and it was nice. Um, but I was just thinking, that wasn't even possible previously. To have to bring an entire band with you on a kayaking trip, you know? And uh, that didn't last very long, because batteries are dying and all that kind of stuff. But 
just to get away, maybe spend some extended time in quiet, connecting with God. So create space. Second thing is uh, choose a place. Don't you like these rhyming points here? Create space, choose a place. And, uh, and so really a good thing about spiritual habits is to, is to um, go to the same place often, like to create a space. Maybe it's a room in your house or a closet. Uh, have you seen uh, War Room? And uh, she created this prayer closet where she goes in that movie. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Or maybe it's a certain chair in the living room or your office. Or uh, maybe it's the kitchen table where you're spending time in the morning or, uh, or your porch when the weather is nice. Or maybe it's getting away to a park or a cabin. Like, choose a place. So whenever we're creating space, we're also choosing a place. I'm going to go here at this time to be silent and quiet with God. And the final thing is a set a pace. Set a pace. And what that is, is take a moment uh, to slow down. Like we live in, live in this rush, 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 rush. And our minds are always racing to what I haven't done yet and what I need to do next. And, and so take this moment at the beginning of your silence and, and, and set a pace. And so like at the beginning, just maybe just breathe. Like just be conscious of your breathing and just... Not trying to rush it or, or rush through this five minutes or ten minutes or whatever you're going to do or one minute. But just say, God, just slow me down for a few moments so that I can refocus on what is right and what is true, what matters. And I can tune into your voice. I can tune into your whisper. I can be familiar with the sound of your voice. So create space in your schedule, choose a place, and then just set a pace at that beginning of that time. And I think if we begin to do this, I think we'll be a lot more spiritually healthy because our souls need a breath. Our souls need a breath. So what I hope really the, the outflow of this sermon is for you just be conscious of this is a spiritual discipline. This is practicing the way of Jesus. This is becoming more like Jesus. Getting away often to a desolate place alone and quiet and with God. How is God maybe calling you to a day of silence? or an hour of silence, or five minutes of silence. We can do this in moments, we can do this every day, but we can also have extended times of this. How is he calling you? What do you need to shut off and shut out in order to hear the voice of God? Right now in a time where so many polarizing Voices are always slapping us all day long. I really think your soul would go, ah! we just took silence and solitude. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for these moments and um, the word that you have for us today. God, I pray that we would really see the value of doing what you did, practicing your way of life getting alone and getting away. and I just love that. Come away to a desolate place and find rest. So I pray that we would do that. Maybe it'd start as a discipline that ultimately it'd move to a desire and a delight. We'd delight in spending time with you. I pray that our souls would get a breather. Pray that we tune our hearts and our souls into your voice. Follow you. Father, I pray for the person who, who maybe they don't even um, know your voice because they don't have a relationship with you. They've never done that. I pray that today they would seek you, find you, that they trust you. Holy Spirit, do what you do with what we've heard. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.